You're listening to the Coast Watch Podcast, proudly brought to you by Rockstar Tackle, quality fishing tackle at affordable prices, and tonic polarised eyewear. See what you're missing. Here's your host, Dave Granville, and remember, don't destroy what you came to enjoy. Well, good day, everyone, and welcome to another Coast Watch podcast. Now, I'm very happy today to have John Hankey here with me. Um, good to see you, John. Yeah, good to see you too, Dave. Yeah, it's been a while, mate. You're uh, up in North Queensland these days. We're in North Queensland these days. I've been doing a bit of guiding up there, and uh, we really love the area we're in. Uh, lots of good flats to fish and plenty of aramundi. So nice, nice. Half all, your luck. Half all your the luck. things I enjoy doing. Nice. <laughs> now, um, for the people at home, I guess... Um, uh, fishing DVD would probably be where they recognise you most, would you say that? Yes, um, we spent oh, about 12 years doing the fishing DVD. Uh, it was very popular. We covered a wide range of different techniques and styles and species. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was uh, very well known and uh, it went really well for us for a long time. And then uh, YouTube and Smaller cameras came along and uh, yeah, it was uh, time to, to do something else and I yeah. started guiding after okay. that. Yeah, the mm. landscape definitely has changed yeah. a bit. I mean, you know, obviously I grew up watching DVDs or VHS in, actually, which, yep. which shows my age, I know. But, um, you know, that DVD coming out, was it was it every month it came out? Or? Uh, it was a quarterly. Quarterly, uh, We were doing yeah. four a year. Four so. a year, no worries. Yeah, yeah I, I think I had the entire collection and okay. uh, I, used to, I used to love them turning up in the mail. Um, it was quite an interesting format, wasn't it? Because it was like a magazine subscription. So it it was uh, the first one we bought out was actually on a couple of magazines, okay. on freshwater fishing and on uh, Alex Julius's magazine. Um, but then we decided uh, it increased their sales uh, very much when it was on those yeah. mags. So we decided we'd put it out ourselves with an A4 backing board yeah. like a magazine. Yeah, because it was at the newsagent. You DVD. could pick it up pick it up at the newsagent exactly. amongst the magazines. Yeah. No, it was, it was a pretty um, forward-thinking concept at the time. Yeah, at the time, um, I know a few people said to me, oh, I don't know whether it's going to work, you're going to do your dough. And uh, it cost us quite a bit. We had to get a lot of replication done with the second volume that came out. Um, so I knew, uh, well, I had my fingers crossed that it was going to go well and we did our sums and I think we'd worked out if we sold 5,000, we'd break even. Um, and we didn't have a lot of sponsorship to start off mm. and we sold seven and a half thousand, I think. And, uh, that was it. We thought this is going to work mm. and it got to a point. It was only, I think the next volume or the one after that was up there with the uh, magazine sales, sales, you know, the, yeah. the glossy magazines. Yeah. Um, so it went very well for a long time there. It was yeah. very popular. Excellent, yeah. I think um, we had some great people working with us as well. We had mm. Steve Starling, Peter Morse, people like that. Yeah that really knew their stuff and um great present great presenters as yeah, well. Yeah, very, that's what I enjoyed about it. Like yeah. I think unfortunately with that transition that you're talking about from um you know television and from from DVDs now to YouTube, yeah. the quality's really gone 
down, unfortunately, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it has. There's a lot of very good information and a lot of good stuff on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but you've got to sift through a, a lot, lot of other yeah. stuff that's probably... Particularly in fishing, I think. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, GoPros have changed everything. Yeah. And yep. look, don't get me wrong, I, I still watch plenty of, you know, GoPro vision yeah. On, yeah. on YouTube. And at the end of the day, it's still... And I use them myself. But um, yeah. And putting yourself in the picture is pretty cool. But production values and audio and things like that yeah. seem to have fallen by the wayside a bit. But Yeah. Uh, as far as production goes, I, I started... Or when I started, everything was shot on film. Mm. We were shooting on 16 mil film. Yeah. And uh, so I guess I've learnt the whole process from back in those days yeah, where yeah. we used to edit on a thing called a Steinbeck and yeah. we'd actually physically cut the film with a razor blade. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it, it's been a massive change that I've seen in my time coming from that era through to what we've got now where everything can be done on your laptop. Yeah, so. well, that's obviously how I edit. And yeah. um, not that I'm a particularly fantastic editor, but um, we, we get by. Yep. Well, um, there's certainly a lot of people doing it now, and there is some really good stuff coming yeah. out. Of, yeah. uh, we've got drones and things now. We yeah. used to have to hire a chopper when yeah. we wanted aerials. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's a very different world. In a lot of ways, it's a lot easier to produce quality content. Mm. Um, but I guess a lot of the people that are doing it now uh, are doing it for the first time and they haven't had that background that uh, some of the older guys have yeah. had. And I suppose a lot of them are just doing it for fun also. Oh, absolutely. You know, at the end of the yeah. day, they're not really trying to make no. a living out no. of it or, or got you know sponsors they need to keep yeah. happy or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah for me, for my, from my point of view, I think, audio is probably one of the biggest things that lets them down because Absolutely. you know it's yeah. really hard to um, get good audio in the field especially when the wind's howling and stuff like it that it is uh, i always made sure i had someone specifically collecting audio for me yeah um, my wife did it um, in more recent times and did an excellent job of it but it's a real art collecting audio when you're exposed in a boat on the open ocean particularly mm. you've got saltwater spray to deal with mm. <clears throat> and you've got the wind noise um microphones are, are you know they've got a limit to how well they can collect audio when you've got all of those things to deal with mm. um so it, it's a real art collecting mm. good audio there's no none doubt. of those things like salt water do they <laughs> none of them like salt water um cameras yeah, included uh, our cameras uh, used to last maybe five years if okay. I was lucky. Oh, yeah, you'd, you'd um, do well if you If we had it. a good one, we'd get five years out of it. Yeah. Uh, at the end of that, you could pretty well write it off. It was covered in corrosion. Things stopped working. And, of course, back in your early days of, of filming with the, the big gun on the shoulder, that yeah. was probably a $120,000 machine, was it? It was. Uh, I know the, the camera bodies were around a hundred grand yeah. and... Uh, the lenses, a good quality lens, was about thirty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we were looking at about yeah. one hundred and twenty. Makes a uh, makes a eight hundred dollar GoPro <laughs> pretty good, doesn't it? But yeah, yeah. no, very different. And that, I guess that's one of the reasons because the gear was so expensive back in those days, and the editing gear was very expensive too. Mm. Uh, you couldn't just sit down and do it on your laptop. You had to have a, a studio yeah, set up to do it properly. Yeah. Um, so. Because I was making it, well, trying to make a living out of it, <laughs> we were making a living out of it, um, and the gear was so expensive, um, we really had to make sure we had a good market. 
Um, and we had to have good sponsors behind us. Um, in the very early days, uh, back in the wildfish days, we were getting paid by the networks to produce content for them. Mm. And then uh, the television industry has changed a lot in more recent times. And now, uh, from what I've heard, people producing content have got to actually pay for their airtime. That's correct. Yeah. So uh, it, it's changed very much since those early yeah, days. Yeah, sponsors have definitely become an integral part of being able to, you know, run a, a profitable, you know, television show or, yeah. or, or that because it is. It's incredibly expensive to buy it that airtime air on TV. And it's a fine line between... Um, a very fine line, and we learnt this in the early days as well. If you, if your sponsorship is too blatant, mm. um, and people get a, a sniff of it being a, a commercial, I yeah, guess, yeah. uh, they'll just turn off straight away. So you've, you've really got to combine good information, mm. uh, with product and explain why that particular product is good or better than the rest, yeah. rather than just saying shoving it you, down you need throat. to get yourself one of these yeah. and no look um, people are pretty smart these yes, days and um, yeah. yeah they know at the end of the day i think a lot of people understand that you can't produce things like this without some corporate support but yeah as you say that balancing act is is very important and, yeah. and trying to um, do things in a relatively subtle manner is is the key for sure yeah so talking about wildfish you mentioned wildfish so that was um, a program on SBS, wasn't it? It was. Um, Peter Morse and I got together uh, and approached SBS and we had a meeting in their boardroom and gave them the ideas, put a proposal to them. Uh, then we went and shot a, a, a show to, to basically pilot. show them. It was mm. a pilot. Mm. Um, they liked it. They, give, they gave us um, not so much a set of rules but a set of guidelines that we had to stick to. Mm. Um, which included um, uh, talking to the local people wherever we happened to be and including a bit of that and giving the viewers a feel for what it was like to be on the location that we were in, uh, which worked in our favour actually because um, as well as some excellent fishing, um, I think a lot of people enjoyed watching it because we were going to different locations. They were getting a good feel for what it was like to go there and to be there. Mm. Um, and it was, it worked really well too. We initially did a series of 13 half hours and it was in prime time, 7.30 on Tuesday night. Mm. Um, it rated really well against Seinfeld at okay. the time. Yeah. Um, so it was very popular. And then we got commissioned to do another 13. Okay. So, which was fairly rare in those, in fact, it hadn't ever happened before. Um, with SBS Independent particularly, they tended to try and get young producers and uh, new production companies, uh, give them a, a go at producing a series. Um, and they didn't tend to give them a second series. You know, they'd give them a bit of a footing yeah. uh, in get their foot in the door with one series, but we were actually given a second series. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was one of the best rating shows they had yeah. on at the time. Yeah. No, I, I remember watching it as a as a fairly young fella, and um, 
you know, in my opinion at the time, it, it had to be the best produced fishing television that I'd ever seen, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, just the production values and that yeah. were something that we had never seen, uh, you know, from that I can remember anyway. Yeah. No, we put a lot of effort into it. Um, what year, what sort of years were they? I can't remember. I know that's when we first met. Yeah, it was back in the early 90s. Yeah, um, yeah. And we used to spend 10 days on average shooting a okay. half hour. Wow. Okay. So we put a lot of time, but that was allowing for the weather and things that could go wrong. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was a fairly major yeah. production. Because um, I think the segment we did um, at Crestbrook catching bass yes, with, with Brett. I remember um, that. Yeah, on his ranger yeah. boats. It was called Fast Fishing from memory. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They would have been some of the fastest boats in Australia at yeah. the time, those yep. ranger bass yes. boats. They were yep. before their time, weren't they? They were absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. I think we shot that in a day, so that must have been a... There were uh, some that we did yeah. shoot fairly quickly, yeah. um, but on average, it probably, yeah, it averaged out between about a week and 10 yeah, days yeah. per per episode. Wow. wow. Um, sometimes we were lucky... Fish were biting, uh, and we used to spend quite a bit of time getting travelly shots and talking to locals yeah. um, as well as the fishing. Of so course. that all takes time to shoot. Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it was uh, very successful. And uh, So what came after Wildfish? Did you do anything um, be like before the fishing DVD after, yeah, after Wildfish? Yeah, we did actually. Um, we went to... we. I was actually, I got a bit of help from the Queensland Film Commission, Pacific Television at the time, and they sent my wife Peter and I over to uh, Cannes to their documentary festival. Okay. And uh, we sold the second series to a number of overseas countries. Ah, okay. So uh, that happened at the end of Wildfish. And then at the end of that, I came back and it was only a couple of days after we'd come home and we were thinking, oh, what are we going to do next? And um, John Dumphy from Shimano actually rang me uh, and he said, are you interested in um, helping produce a, a TV series with Andrew Eddinghausen? Ah, so that's, that's when Escape with E.T. started. That's how that came ah, about. Right, so you were shooting E.T. E stuff. Yeah, I went down and met like it was all done in a hurry. And when I came back, I, I was a bit concerned about what we would do because um, I'm a freelancer and uh, we're always uh, usually got too much work or not enough. Yep. You'd know what it's yeah. like doing that. Yeah. Um, so I was very lucky that I got that phone call, went down, had a meeting and they basically, well, I signed the dotted line uh, in that meeting and uh, within a week or so we started shooting the first episode. Wow. Um and my production company was doing a lot of the, well, we were basically doing everything. Yeah. I was shooting it all. Yeah. Um, my wife, Peter, was uh, collecting the audio and uh, we were doing the editing as well. And it just got to the point where it was too much. Mm. And I ended up um, putting my editing gear in uh, with an, another fellow in, in uh, Brisbane, Bob Blasdell, yeah. had his and offices he's still doing there. It he's, today. Stu he's still yeah. doing it. Yeah. And uh, we had one of his offices there with one of his young editors and they were doing the post-production. Ah, so, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, and that went on for the first five years, I think, of his show. And I think it's, I believe it's been going for nearly 20, or well, maybe 20 years. Yeah, it has been, I think. Uh, we, we did the, we were involved in the first five years. Yeah, and, gotcha. Um, we were spending a lot of time away and uh, we decided, that's when we decided to do the fishing DVD and mm. came up with that, that idea. So going back a step then, um, 
when you were doing um, like video, like VHS tapes, yeah. what was that a series as well? Because I remember as a kid, like my all-time favourite, um, you know, D, uh, VHS tape was yeah. um, Drysdale, a remote river, yes. and it was um, Harrow, yeah. Rod Harrison, yep. and yep. Dean Butler. Yep. And I think I just watched that tape so many mm-hmm. times until it just wore out. And then I convinced my dad to take me to the Drysdale River okay. so I could catch a metre barra. Yep, yep. Uh, Did, how'd you go? Yeah, yeah, I caught him. <laughs> In fact, I was with um, Shane Mensforth from, okay. from South Australian Angler. Yes, so yeah. he was right. I think he was writing a story for Modern Fishing at the time. Okay. And as a young, I, I must have only been like 16 or 17 or something like that. So it was a trip of a lifetime yeah. for me. Yeah. And to actually walk in the same footsteps as Harrow and Dino, who who were my heroes at the time, yes, you know, yeah. and well, you know, still are to some yes, respect, and yeah. um, got all the respect in the world for those guys, yeah. and um, you know, being at the Barra Patch and yep. you know all these yep. names that I've yes, heard on the tape yeah. over and yep. over again, Curran Point, I can yes. still I can relive it today. So, yeah. what like what sort of year would have that been? Do you think roughly uh, that would have been in the early eighties? I think yes, it was. Um, that was one of we did quite a few of those. Yeah, was it all with Harrow and Dino? Was it? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Um, Dean was doing the sound recording for me sometimes, okay. but then he was in front of the camera as well. Yeah, uh, still great mates with Dean. You know, yeah. we fished together quite a bit. Yeah. Um, the Drysdale out of we we did uh, maybe seven or eight of those shows. Actually, there were ten, I think, was all that? up. Uh, the Drysdale was one of the most popular out of all of those. Yeah. And what we realised when we were doing some of them, and particularly the Drysdale, Craig Muir um, had a camp on the river the there at the time camp, on the Drysdale. Yeah, and yep. float plane flying. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, he flew us in there. Yes, there, so, yep. Yeah. So it was a real adventure. Um, I think a lot of people loved it because it was an adventure as well as, you know, it was pristine yeah. when we went in there. Hardly anyone had fished there. Yeah. Um, and... What we realised uh, when we did that one and a couple of ones after that was that um, we we were actually, we were selling thousands of those VHSs at yeah, the time yeah. um, and it was going very well. I think we were selling them for 50 bucks each or something. Wow, okay. Um, this is going back, you know, and, yeah. and we realised that if we went to areas like that and somebody was guiding or had a camp there, that they could really benefit from Definitely. Other people seeing it. Mm. And that's what happened. Uh, Dean actually branched out and started his own travel business right. not long after that. Yeah. And Craig was booked out for the next two years. Yeah, well, we, completely were, probably, we were probably one of the customers. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it, it's... Um, As the, a result of watching yes, that, yeah. <laughs> that, that VHS tape. At the time, it was mm. a, a great way of promoting those areas mm. and promoting tourism into those areas. Mm. Mm. But it was... Uh, I had a couple of trips up there, um, went up there on another trip, Lefty Cray was actually sitting beside me in that old float plane when mm. we flew in. Mm. And uh, I'm not sure what Lefty was expecting. I think he thought it might have been a, a five-star <laughs> camp that he was used to back in Florida or yeah. somewhere. And Chalk and cheese. We flew over it and looked down and... Uh, 
He said, is that the lodge down there, John? And I said, yeah, that's the lodge, Lefty. And all it was... was... From, from memory, wasn't it some, like, mangrove trees with yeah. some shade cloth around There were it? four mangrove poles. Yep. Actually, Craig had done it up since we were there previously because okay. uh, it had a dirt floor the first time we yeah. went there. Yeah. And he'd actually put in a concrete floor. We had a couple of stretches, uh, but it was really well set up. It was yeah. very comfortable. Uh, there was a shower that was in this um, sandstone block yeah. uh, where you'd have a shower and look out and you'd watch this big croc swimming up and down in the, the hole below you. Yeah. I don't know whether that was there when yeah, you were there, but yeah. uh, it was very special. Yeah, and that's the thing. You go to a place like that back then and, yeah, it was all about the location. I yeah. mean, yeah, accommodation, who cares? You know? Exactly, and I think the boats, we were running around in a couple of tinnies that were maybe 12 or 13 feet yeah. uh, with a 15 or 20 yeah. on the back. Very and... basic stuff. No casting decks, no, no live wells, no... No, no, no electronics. Yeah, no, no um, electric motor, no sounder. Probably caught more fish then than yeah. you do now in a $100,000 yeah. boat. So. No, it was, it was yeah. an amazing place and... Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I obviously, that's the only time I've ever been there and um, it's just, yeah, it's etched in my memory forever, yeah, that place, yeah, that's yeah. for sure, very special. So did you do the Greg Norman stuff? No, I no, didn't. No, no, I was wondering because that no. was another um, yeah, VHS series that yeah. I, I was yeah. a big fan of watching. At Dean the was involved in it. In okay. fact, um, I think they had a camera crew from Victoria, from memory. Okay. And, but Dean was actually um, given a job to uh, scout around, find locations for them. Uh, and he had his travel business going at the time too. Gotcha. Um, so it was all linked Tied in, in with, with that. that. Yeah, yeah. No, because I do remember Dean being in it and that's why I thought yeah. you, might, you might have shot it as well. I couldn't no, remember. I was doing something else at the time. Yeah. I can't remember yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Now you're up in um, Bowen, is it? We're based in Bowen in yeah. North Queensland. Yeah. Um, and you're doing a bit of guiding up there? Yes. The um, one of the main reasons we're there is there's some excellent flats fishing mm. in that area. Because you love your fly fishing. That's no secret. I do love the fly fishing. Yeah. Um, and I, I really enjoy guiding people fly yeah. fishing. Yeah. We still do a little bit of lure fishing as well, uh, and we take people lure fishing, um, but we really focus on barramundi and particularly trophy-sized barra mm. um, and the flats at the moment, but there's some good freshwater fishing in that area as well. Okay. So I've been doing a fair bit of that, but I'm, I'm looking at slowing down in the future and doing more uh, specific, uh, showing people fly fishing techniques okay. yeah. in the tropics, Yeah, yeah. Um, So which will... It's more of a one-on-one -on -one thing. Tuition it, style rather. Yeah, than, it's so it's tuition. not just let's see how many fish we can catch in a day. It's more no. about yep. come up if you want to learn to fly to cast and exactly. learn, I assume, learn, you know, how to tie flies or, or at least tie the knots. And All of stuff those like things. Yeah. And teaching casts that catch fish um, that you can, you know, how to cast efficiently i yeah. guess uh, a lot of people have a bit of trouble casting efficiently with a fly rod i suppose uh, things change too because obviously morsi does his his yes. fly tuition and I, yeah. I still haven't done it i got to yeah. do it one day but yep. um i guess it is different casting in a park or whatever compared to being out on a flat very, when it's blowing 20 knots very very different and learning how to deal with the wind how to manage your line mm -hmm. how to get a, an accurate Efficient cast in front of a fish quickly mm. is very different to standing in the park. So I'll be focusing more of on along those lines. Mm. Um, but 
generally showing them what sort of lines work in different situations, um, where you might find different species, how to target specific species like Saratoga, Sooties, uh, Barra, any of the flat species, uh, Permit, Golden Trevally. Uh, that's what I've been guiding people on for quite a while now. And um, I've got a few techniques that I'm using now that are fairly different to what other people are using. Okay. And I'm tying some of my own flies okay. that are very effective. And it's taken a while to, to work out, you know, how, which flies, I guess, uh, work in different situations. So a lot of that information I can pass on to people now and I'm, I'm looking at doing more of that. Okay. I'm getting a slightly smaller boat um, so I can take people out on the water and guide them as part of this. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking more at um, teaching people yeah. about tropical fly fishing. Yeah, I suppose on that point as well, not only uh, the techniques of, of, of fly fishing but fish behaviour as well because, again, yeah understanding how a fish behaves either um, to the prevailing conditions, the the boat, yes, how the fly lands, yep. all that sort of stuff comes into play when you're actually in the field doing exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of that people... I guess it's the finer points uh, and the people that catch fish uh, see that finer detail in a lot of things mm. and they understand mm. that. So it's all well and good being able to punch out a 80-foot cast but unless you can actually present, yeah. you're better off presenting a 20-foot cast effectively than an 80-foot cast. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I guess most people, when they're out in the park, they're trying to throw a 100 feet of fly yeah. line. Yeah. Uh, ideally, if they can throw 80 feet, then they shouldn't have too many trouble, troubles catching fish. Yeah. But in reality, most fish are caught between probably 40 and 60 feet out. Well, it is sight casting at yes. the end of the day, isn't yeah. it? And yeah. even though we've got our tonics on, we're still not invincible. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah it's, and yes. sometimes they're just hard to spot, aren't they? Especially dirty water and stuff. So. They can be. Yeah. And as you said before, you've got the wind and other things to deal with while you're out there as well. So learning how to deal with those things. And uh, a lot of people find fly fishing a little bit daunting, but if you look at the basics, um, it's pretty straightforward, really, and if you understand uh, some little tricks, I guess, in managing your line, casting with the wind and all that sort of thing, then uh, it's not that difficult, and I find it very challenging, and it's something I really enjoy. Yeah, so. Yeah. so if people want to look up um, some of your vision from the fishing DVD yeah. days, John, is it still, can you download or anything? Yes, or? Um, most of it is on Fish Flicks. Okay. So if they go to Fish Flicks or the Fish Flicks site, yeah. um, uh, they can watch pretty much everything we've done. We've yeah. got the wild fish shows. Um, I think some of these tea stuff's on there. We've certainly got all the all the fishing DVDs, or most of them, the yep. stories. stories yeah. So you can actually have a look at it story per story. Um, it's the best way to have a look at that okay. old footage. Yeah. And what about contacting you if someone wants to, um, yep. you know, be guided? Yep. Um, best way to contact me um, is uh, fishingdownunder.tv. Okay. Uh, if people get onto fishingdownunder.tv, they'll all get the all the information they want. They'll get the phone number. Yeah. Um, we travel a bit up and down the coast. Yeah. Uh, so what I'm looking at doing in the future when I start doing more teaching with yeah. my fly fishing, uh, we'll go to certain locations and spend a bit of time there. Um, I'll put it out there online. And if there are fly anglers 
businesses in that area that want a bit of tuition. Perfect. Then otherwise they can come to Bowen. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, sounds like it's a pretty good place to hang out anyway. Absolutely. It's a great place. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. mate. Well, I reckon that's been a pretty good chat. So Thanks, um, Dave. yeah, it's nice to have you have you in the in the Coast Watch studio. And um, yeah, obviously, um, yeah, we'll look forward to having a fish again with you one day, hopefully in the not too distant future. Sounds good, Dave. You're welcome anytime. Just give me a call. Awesome, mate. Yep. Well, thanks very much, everyone, for listening in for um, both listening to our podcast and mm. on the video on YouTube, of course. And um, once again, this is impossible without the support of our partners, um, Rockstar Tackle and Tonic Eyewear. So please check those guys out. See you later, guys.